0: So tonight we're continuing our series uh, on spiritual warfare. And I want to read again our primary texts. So uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and Ephesians chapter 6. Tonight we're looking at, as we're walking through the armor of God from Ephesians 6, we're looking at the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. But before we get to Ephesians 6, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10. Starting in verse 3, Paul writing, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. He's talking about physical. We live in a physical world, but we're not fighting physical battles. But our weapons, he says, have divine power. That's God's power to destroy strongholds. That's places where the enemy has has set up encampments where the enemy has taken territory, that the weapons that God gives us are stronghold-destroying weapons. That we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Here is, is the, I would say this text, and then the Ephesians 6 text. These are the texts on spiritual warfare. And here in Ephesians or in 2 Corinthians 10, he tells us that the, the battle of spiritual warfare is a battle of words and a battle of thoughts. A battle of arguments, strongholds where, where systems of thought have become entrenched, demonic systems of thought. W- ways of thinking that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. But that God has given us the truth and he has given us his word and he has given us the armor of God. He's given us these weapons to fight spiritual battles. And not just to fight, but to win. To destroy these strongholds. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 I almost just launched into a whole another message. <laughs> you, that was really close. I was so close. But the Lord pulled me back. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray... Lord, as we spend the next few moments here, God, we love you. We love you. We are just so blessed to be here as your people, gathered with our brothers and sisters in Christ to hear your word, to worship you, to fellowship with one another. Speak to our hearts tonight through your word, through your spirit. Lord, we want to hear from you all of us coming in here tonight from different places, different backgrounds, different stages of life, different circumstances, even all different parts of the city. Yet I know, Lord, that for each one of us, you have a word for us tonight. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you are speaking to us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Amen. Tonight we're looking here at the helmet of salvation. And Paul here tells us, he tells us to take up, to to pick up, to put on the whole armor of God. And to take up the armor of God or to put on the armor of God, it is to rightly utilize these things that he describes here in our spiritual battles. Now, we're all in a fight. We're all in spiritual battles. The devil is launching fiery darts at all of us. And for us to stand, as he says four times in this passage, stand against the enemy, to push back against the enemy, we need to rightly use these things in our spiritual battles. Tonight we're talking about the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. I want to start with an opening observation, and then I'm going to ask some clarifying questions uh, that's going to help us tonight. The first opening observation is that he is writing the Ephesian letter. He writes this letter of Ephesians to the church that is at Ephesus. So he is writing to Christians. Right? He opens his letter, if you go to the very first verse, he says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. So he is writing to believers. He's writing to those people who have put their faith in Christ, which is to say, he is writing to people who have salvation. Right? Do do you, as a saint, as, as someone who has believed upon Christ? Do you have salvation? Yes, you do. Has God saved you in Christ? Yes, He has. Has He forgiven your sins and set you free from the power of the enemy? Yes, absolutely. Yes, He has. So He's writing to a people who have been saved. They have been saved. He is not writing to the sinner telling them, "...you need salvation." You need a Savior. You need to trust in Christ. That is not his message here. So when he starts talking about taking the helmet of salvation, he's not saying you need to be saved. He's talking to Christians who have already been saved. People like you and people like me. And so we as Christians, we are to take up, put on the whole armor of God. So that's that's my observation. He's writing to people who have salvation. So then some clarifying questions. How does a Christian who has salvation take up salvation? We're to take up or to put on the helmet of salvation. Well, if you have salvation, how do you do that? Why do you need to do that? If I already have salvation, why do I need to take It up, and what does that look like? Well, with each of the pieces of the armor of God, the key to understanding what he's talking about and and the key to rightly utilizing this armor, and of course, we're talking about the helmet tonight, the key is to look at the imagery that Paul uses to describe each part of the armor. So to understand what Paul is talking about here with a helmet of salvation, I need to, to think through the imagery that he's using. Let me remind you of, of some of the imagery he's already used, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Uh, Pastor Mark p- taught on that message. He talked about, remember, if if you'll remember in those days that they didn't wear pants, they wore a tunic. And so if they were going off to battle, they had to gird up their loins. Do you remember that? And he he taught about how they would take their tunic and wrap it around them and pull it through here and tuck it in. Remember that? Does anybody remember that? And that is how they would prepare for battle. That is how they would prepare to fight. Having your loins girded, not with a tunic, but with the truth. And if I can put it this way, it is to be intimately acquainted with the truth. And this is what prepares us to fight in spiritual battles. To put it another way, if you don't know the truth, how in the world are you going to fight the enemy's lies? How in the world are you going to invade strongholds of deception if you yourself don't know what the truth is? If you yourselves are not girded up with the truth. And so we must gird ourselves with the truth, strengthen ourselves with the truth. That's the belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness. Again, the, the key to understanding, I'm gonna talk about how helmet of the salvation, I wanna show you that the key to understanding these things is to look at the imagery. So the breastplate of righteousness, as I head off into, as I begin to engage with these dark spiritual forces girded with the truth, I need to remind myself that I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. I'm covered in his righteousness. It's not the breastplate of your righteousness. It is his righteousness that covers us. Why is that important for spiritual battles? Well, because as soon as you show up and start fighting the devil, you know what he's going to tell you? Who do you think you are? And if you think you're going to fight the devil in your own strength, you need to be able to to, to know and know for certain, yeah, I've made a lot of mistakes. It's not about who I am, it's about who he is. It's about his righteousness that clothes me. We talked about having your feet ready The gospel of, with the gospel of peace. The, the imagery there is of, of the runner who would go out and declare the victory of the battle. That they're always ready to go and proclaim that good news, the Greek word euangelion, that, that good proclamation of a victorious fight. And that we as God's people should always be ready to proclaim that message, to proclaim the victory of Christ and what he has done on the cross. And that is we're always ready. That's, that's what the gospel shows. were. We're always ready at a moment's notice to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to share this good news. It keeps us ready. It keeps us in the fight. Last week we looked at the shield of faith. We talked about how with a shield, you, to utilize it rightly, you have to hold on to it. You have to hold on to a shield. That the shield of faith is holding on to the promises of God. Trusting in His Word. In all circumstances, it says. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Hold on to the promises of God. Hold on to your trust in God's Word in the face of every challenge. And that—that is what extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. And so again, the key to understanding how to utilize these uh, this armory that the Lord has given us is to look at the imagery. So when we come to the helmet of salvation, I have to think through this question: Okay, a helmet. What does a helmet do? What is its purpose? Does it protect my feet? Oh, no, it protects your what? Your head. Why, why is it important for your head to be protected? To guard your beautiful face? Your brain. Thank you. Your brain. You need your brain. If, you don't have a, if your brain is not functioning, you're not winning any battles. The, the helmet was to protect your brain from injury. And how important is that? It's very important. Of course, we're not talking about a, a physical helmet that we're putting on. So, we're not talking about your physical brain, if you will, the organ. We're talking about a spiritual helmet. So, so if we're thinking in terms of having our, our head protected, our brain protected, but we're thinking in spiritual terms, what, what are we talking about protecting? Our mind, our thoughts. Our mind, our thoughts. Our emotions. How many of you know that the way you think affects the way you feel? How many of you know the way you feel affects the way you think? You, you can't just separate thoughts and emotions. Those two are, 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 are inextricably linked. So your thoughts, your, your mind, your, your emotions. And so th- this spiritual helmet, it has to do with those things. So to take up the helmet of salvation is to do this. It is to think on and meditate on the realities of the salvation that God has purchased for us in Christ. It's to think on and to meditate on salvation. The realities of salvation. And when we do that, it guards our minds and our thoughts And our feelings. So, so that when you are under spiritual attack, so that when you are in a spiritual battle, you can still think and act clearly, with clarity and focus. I know all of that was a mouthful. I'm going to say it again. To take the helmet of salvation is to think on and meditate on the realities of the salvation that God in Christ has purchased for us. And when we do that, it guards us, this thinking on, this meditating, it guards our minds, our thoughts, and our feelings so that when we are fighting spiritual battles, we're still able to think and act with clarity and focus. You know, when you're in a battle, it can be disorienting. Disorienting. How many of you, even if you haven't seen it, how many of you have seen a war movie before? The, 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 the disorienting nature of the battlefield. It's chaos. You see the enemy the the, the enemy, enemies fighting and It's not always so clear who the enemy is and which direction to go and, and what to do. and You have to have clarity. You have to have focus. And the helmet of salvation provides that to us in the disorienting spiritual battles that we fight and that we face. There are times when you're under spiritual attack where... You don't even know if you can trust your own thoughts. You don't even know if you can trust your own perception of reality. Well, what is going on here? Have you ever been there? What is happening? It just feels like everything is in a, in a fog. Listen, if you find yourself in that place, what you need to do is take up the helmet of salvation. You, you need to ground yourselves in the reality of salvation. Now, how do we do that? Well, it just so happens that Paul opened this letter with the very discussion on the blessings and the realities of salvation. And so I want to flip over to Ephesians 1, if you will. The whole beginning of this letter is laying out for us the blessings of salvation, the reality of what God has done for us in Christ. so that we might meditate on these truths. This section here from verse 3 through verse 14, in in the language that Paul wrote it, in Greek, there is no punctuation. It is one huge, long sentence. 202 words. It's as if he just exploded with praise for God and what God has done for us in Christ. Now, the, our English translators have thankfully inserted a few periods and commas here. But it's, it's as if Paul wants us to just be overwhelmed with what God has done for us. That, that, it, that this truth would just saturate us, just wash over us, would overwhelm us. So let's, let's look at these. Let's, let's just take a minute and walk through these. But my argument here tonight is that to take on the helmet of salvation, to put it on, is to meditate on what is right here in these verses. The reality of what God has accomplished for us By saving us in Christ. Verse 3. He says. Blessed be the God and Father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has. Blessed us. In Christ. With every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly. Places. We need to meditate on that truth. Don't we? Not that. Not that God is going to bless us, but that he has blessed us. And where is that blessing to be found? He has blessed us in Christ. The blessings are found in Christ. And he has blessed us, not with many spiritual blessings, not with most spiritual blessings, but with every blessing spiritual blessing and notice here he says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places this is good news because down here things decay down here the the blessings come and the the blessings go, go but but in heaven we have an inheritance that is prepared for us, that, that thieves can't break in and steal, that, that rust can't corrupt, that there's no inflation in heaven to devalue our spiritual blessings, amen? amen? That it is guarded for us in heaven. Even, verse 4, even as He chose us in Him. Whew, talk about a spiritual blessing. That God has chosen us. He's chosen us. What did Jesus tell his disciples? You haven't chosen me, but I have chosen you. Amen. And appointed you to go out and to bear much fruit that remains. We have not chosen Christ. He has chosen us. Amen. If you are a Christian today... If you have put your faith in Christ today, it is because He has chosen you. And when did He choose me? Before the foundation of the world. Before God ever said, let there be light. Before God ever spoke the worlds into existence, He chose you for Him Self. we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world listen God's purpose for you is unshakable God's destiny for you we're still destiny church God's destiny for you we're in this transitionary period he has got a purpose and a destiny for you it's unshakable the earth can be shaken, but his plans and purposes are without repentance. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us in Christ. And he appointed, it continues, that we would be holy and blameless before him. He called us to set us free of sin, to give us the power of his spirit that we might walk in righteousness and that we might walk in holiness in love in love he predestined us why did god choose you because he loves you because he loves you he called us to himself because he loves us so to take on the helmet of salvation is to think on and to meditate on that god chose me in him before the foundation of the world God chose me for himself God chose me because he loves me he loves me he loves you today he he predestined us it says for adoption adoption to be brought in to God's family Though we were alienated, separated by our own actions, our own sin, God has adopted us into his family. To To put on the helmet of salvation is to meditate on the fact, I am a child of God. I am a child of God. He is my father. And I am his son or his daughter. Predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will. Wh- whose, whose will is being accomplished in, in your salvation? It is God's will. And that this should result in, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, should result in us worshiping him, praising him for his grace and his mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. That God has shown us favor that we do not deserve. We cannot work for this grace. But he has given it to us. Which he has blessed us with in the beloved. That's in in the the community of the saints. In him we have redemption. That's being purchased back to buy back. That's that's that God has taken us uh, from slavery to sonship. This word redemption is the, the word that they would use for, for purchasing a slave. We were slaves of sin, but God has redeemed us and he hasn't just purchased us, but then he has brought, brought these, these slaves of sin into his own house and he has adopted us and put his name upon us. We have redemption Through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses. All of this is according to the riches of his grace. God's grace is so rich today. And I love this, verse 8, which he lavishes upon us. God is not stingy with the riches of his grace. God, God does not, he's not punitive. He, he's not standing up there. Well, if you just give me a little, if you, if, if I see the right stuff, I'll give you the amount of grace. No, God lavishes his grace. He pours his grace out upon us. The only reason any of us is still breathing is because God is a gracious God. And he, upon his chosen people, his adopted sons and daughters, he lavishes his grace upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Now, this is really getting into deep stuff here, but... In verse 10, he's talking about this this mystery, what was hidden before that has now been revealed. It was concealed in the Old Testament, but now it's revealed. And he'll go on to talk about this mystery being revealed, that this mystery is now that salvation is for all people. Salvation is not just reserved for a a special group of people, a, a bloodline, the descendants of Abraham but that the blessings of Abraham are for the nations of the world. That's the the mystery that was hidden that's now been revealed in Christ. And and this plan, he says, is for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in heaven and things on earth. You You could spend the rest of your life meditating on that verse and you wouldn't get to the bottom of it. The depths of the riches of the grace and the salvation that we have in Christ. In Him it says we have obtained an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Just just think about how in a spiritual battle when you're being attacked with the lies of the enemy... That you can steady your heart and your mind and your thoughts and your emotions on this fact that god works all things in accordance with the counsel of his will that god is completely sovereign over all things and so whatever i might be facing whatever challenge whatever i might be going in through in my life i can rest assured and be confident that God will bring about his ultimate plan and purpose in all things. Now, I might not see it until I cross over into eternity. I I might not see how God's perfect plan and will is worked out here on the earth. But I can rest my heart and rest my mind on the fact that it will be accomplished. You know, Joseph, the, think about the, all of the things that Joseph went through. The persecution by his brothers, being uh, the attempt of murder on his life. They, they threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. As a slave, he prospers, but then he's falsely accused. He's thrown into jail. He's forgotten there. And then decades later, God pulls Joseph up out of the prison, makes him the prince over all Egypt, and uses Joseph to bring salvation to his whole family that tried to kill him and sold him into slavery. So that at the end of his life, when his brothers come to him after their father had passed away and his brothers are worried because he's now the prince of Egypt, he's just gonna throw them all in a pit. His brothers come to him and they say, "Uh, dad told us before he died, uh, you're supposed to be nice to us now. He might not have told you, but he told us. And and he says, look, look, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It, It took a long time before he saw it. When we're in the spiritual battles, when we're going through the challenges, the hardships of life, it might take 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It might even take eternity before you can look back and see that's what God was doing. I didn't see it then, but I see it now. God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Will that not guard your thoughts? Will that not keep your mind? So that, verse 12, we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You have been sealed, you have been purchased. You, you, that, that seal is like a signet ring that a, a king would press into wax and, and it wasn't, that letter wasn't to be opened until the right time. Listen, you have been sealed for the day of redemption. You have been sealed for that day, marked with the Holy Spirit. And on that day, this inheritance that is yours in Christ will be given unto you. And so whatever we're going through in life, all of the battles, disorienting as they are, we must remind ourselves of these truths. When, when all of the voices and all of the, what about this and what about that and this person said this and she did this to me and, and all of that, we got to steady our minds on this. This is where we go and remind ourselves of what God has done for us in Christ in giving us salvation. Christ has saved me, and I belong to him. That settles a lot right there. Remind yourself of that. Remind yourself of salvation. You belong to Christ. Therefore, I will trust in and obey his word. Though the whole world may forsake him, yet I will trust him. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my God. Meditating on these truths, it guards your thoughts. It protects your minds from straying into dangerous territory and into dark places. So that, as I said earlier, when you find yourself under spiritual attack, You can think with clarity and focus and make the right decisions. This, again, is how we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I want to close tonight by looking at one verse from Hebrews chapter 13. Our closing text tonight, Hebrews 13. And verse nine <laughs> Hebrews thirteen, verse nine, it says this Do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. Maybe I me mean, you know there's some weird stuff out there. They, they, I mean, there is... Christianity has a weird closet. And that, that is a big closet. And it's got all kinds of stuff in there. Just interesting stuff, kooky stuff. You know, are the aliens d- demons? Are UFO demons? You know, like you can, you can go down rabbit holes that are diverse and strange. You know, the Nephilim, the giants, are they half-human, half-demon hybrids? I I don't know if you've... Sorry, I'm bringing up diverse and strange teachings, but I've just given you an example. There is some strange stuff out there. And the writer of Hebrews says, don't be led away by these strange and diverse teachings, for it is good... For the heart to be strengthened by grace. It is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Yeah, these other things, they might be interesting. It might be interesting to look into. It might be interesting to study in. But what's going to give you strength? Where your power is going to come from? It's not going to be from that. It's not going to be from you knowing who the Nephilim were. It is going to come from grace. Let your heart be strengthened by the grace of God. If I could sum this whole sermon up on the helmet of salvation in one phrase, it would be this. In Christ, God has saved you from your sins. Meditate on that. Amen. By the way, thank you for your word. Lord, you have called us to engage in spiritual battles. You have given us the tools and the equipment to do it. Lord, at times, the things we go through in life can be so disorienting. God, I can remember many times in my life where I have been in that place. So Lord, I have no doubt that some of your precious people here tonight may find themselves in that very place. But Lord, I thank you that you have not left us alone. You have not abandoned us. You have not forsaken us just as you promised that you wouldn't. And you have given us tools. You have given us weapons. You have given us armaments. You have given us protection against the attacks of the enemy. I pray that we would meditate on your grace, that we would think on your salvation, that we would take up the helmet of salvation, and that as we meditate on these great truths, these realities, the ways in which you have blessed us in Christ, Lord, that it would guard our hearts, that it would guard our minds, it would guard our thoughts, it would guard our feelings and our emotions. Lord, as you taught us to pray that you would keep us from evil. Keep us from the evil one. Though he may attack us, we know that you have promised us the victory.